It's the story of an American held in a dark Venezuelan prison. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. I'm Becky Bruce. I spent a year working on Hope in Darkness, which now has more than 2 million downloads. Find it on kslpodcast.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. This is Live Mike with Lee Lonsberry from Utah's Capitol Hill to your schools, Texas, and all the breaking news. Hear it on Live Mike with Lee Lonsberry on KSL News Radio. Welcome back to Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry. This next story is a tough one. It deals with a pair of Utahns who are right now in quarantine on two opposite sides of the world. I'm talking about the Herrings, Melanie and John Herring. They were removed from their cruise ship three days after becoming, well, John, rather, was removed from the cruise ship about three days after becoming sick around February 10th. He was tested at a hospital in Chiba, Japan, and confirmed to have the novel coronavirus. The quarantine aboard the cruise ship Diamond Princess began on February 5th. Melanie and John were among 300 Americans on board the Diamond Princess cruise ship that was quarantined in Japan. And John was one of more than 40 Americans on board to test positive for the virus. He was hospitalized soon thereafter with chills and a fever and has since developed pneumonia. And Melanie, over the weekend, got word from U.S. officials saying that uh, they were being given the option, Americans were, to either remain on the ship or to hop on a transport aircraft and be flown to U.S. soil and for a period of 14 weeks, or 14 days rather, uh, remain in isolation and quarantine and undergo testing for the coronavirus. Melanie Herring took that option. She got on that airplane and she is currently in quarantine at Travis Air Force Base in California. She and I have been in contact, pretty constant contact since uh, this whole ordeal commenced. And uh, to talk to her, it's it's fascinating and heartbreaking. She, for a long time, has, has remained in good spirits. Uh, her social media is full of videos. She gives a tour of her quarters. And she gives sporadic updates on the condition of John, her husband, who remains in quarantine in Japan. Well, uh, cruise officials uh, have been pretty silent. As well as the U.S. Embassy in Japan. That, according to a letter that was shared with me by Melanie early this morning. Before I get into that letter, I want to share with you uh, just some of the sounds. Uh, CNN was over there in Japan when uh, the Herrings were separated, when Mr. Herring uh, entered into quarantine, and uh, they had a brief moment uh, to catch some comments. I gave her a hug, and um, she had tears in her eyes, and as I walked out the door, I, I couldn't look back. If that were the case, I would be sitting in a, a U.S. facility, with U.S. doctors, Uh, my wife would be there, um, and I would get the best care that I possibly get um, on on my home soil. 
That question coming in response to the question, what would have happened if the U.S. had offered to take citizens out sooner? John Herring asserts that he would have come home sooner, he would have be he would be on American soil today, and he would be receiving world-class care for the virus for which he has tested positive. Now, let me get to this letter. Early this morning, uh, I received in my inbox uh, from Mrs. Herring uh, the following letter. It's addressed to the United States Embassy in Japan, and it's authored by her husband, John Herring. It reads, I have verified that I am on your contact list. The list of people who are in hospitals off the Diamond Princess. I have verified I have tested positive for COVID-19, that's the novel coronavirus. My wife and friend have reached out to the embassy on my behalf, and yet still to this date I have received one phone call from the embassy. And have heard nothing from the Princess Cruise Line since being much, uh, since being pulled off the ship and sent to a hospital in Chiba without even being tested to see if I had the coronavirus. I'm a U.S. citizen who should have some rights, and I don't think it is too much to ask for some communication from the U.S. Embassy in Japan or from the cruise line I entrusted with my safety and the safety of my wife. Now, I read that you sent out instructions to all individuals. Again, this is John Herring writing to the U.S. Embassy in Japan. Now, I read that you sent out instructions to all individuals who have tested positive for this virus. No, you did not. I tested positive and have not received email or other correspondence uh, that was sent to me. I have received it not. Furthermore, I have still not heard a word by voice, email, or text, or any other communication form from Carnival Cruises or its subsidiary since I left the ship ship forcefully on February 13th. He then goes into a list of questions to which he uh, demands answers. First question, what is the process for getting out of the hospital I was forced into? Number two, who is my embassy contact and what, if any, is the communication being sent out to others as we mentioned in today's embassy letter, as was mentioned in today's embassy letter? Number three, why have I not heard from the Carnival Corporation since leaving the ship? Number four, if I had complications or died in hospital, who would contact my wife in case of an emergency? I'm afraid I don't have much faith in the system that can't even track me, keep track of me now. Number five, what is my responsibility towards the financial obligation to my hospital stay? Again, it's not good for me, uh, for my mental stability to try to decipher or assume how this will be handled. Number six, are there other plans on removing the remaining Americans to the United States that are in hospitals who have tested positive? If so, what is the timeline? Those questions continue. I shared this letter with the office of Congressman Chris Stewart. He represents uh, the Herrings uh, as their member in Congress. Uh, one of the duties and responsibilities of a member of Congress is not only to legislate and uh, you know vote on laws, but it is also to serve as a liaison between their constituents and the federal government, specifically the executive branch. It is the United States Embassy as a wing as an arm of the executive branch of government uh, that makes it appropriate for congressional involvement. We, in the next segment, are going to be speaking to John Herring, who authored the letter to which I, uh, or the letter I just read to you. We're going to see if he has yet gotten any responses to the questions he's asking. We're going to find out uh, about his condition, his spirits, and anything uh, that we may be able to do to help him out. Uh, that's coming up next on the program. And then later on,
just after 2.30, we're going to speak to Congressman Chris Stewart, uh, who has assured me uh, that he is taking on this case. I know that he uh, very recently has been in contact with the family. We're going to see uh, what's going on, what he as a member of Congress is empowered to do, and anything that he has learned in his uh, uh, involvement here in the case of the Herrings. Again, next up, we're going to be speaking to John Herring as he sits in quarantine in Japan awaiting his fate. He having tested positive uh, for the coronavirus. That's next here on Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry, and this is KSL News Radio. This is Live Mike with Lee Lonsberry. Welcome back to the program. I'm joined this segment by John Herring, who finds himself in quarantine in Japan after having tested positive for the coronavirus. Mr. Herring, sir, uh, it, it sounds trite for me to ask this question, but how are you? Uh, I'm feeling, I'm feeling fine. I'm, I'm frustrated and I'm angry, but I'm feeling, I'm, my overall feeling, I feel good. Physically, we last heard that you had contracted pneumonia. You were suffering uh, with some pneumonia. Is that accurate? Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent, it was senseless, and I will never understand it, I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story. The struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow the letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. How are you feeling physically overall right now? Uh, yeah, that, um, one of the symptoms of, uh, of the coronavirus is um, typical is that uh, anyone that has it We'll get pneumonia. Um, so my doctor came in the one day and um, after doing a CT scan and, and said, uh, I've got some bad news. You have some bad pneumonia. Um, but I didn't even know I had it. Didn't feel like um, I had pneumonia. I, I, it, it shows up on the CT scan and I can see it, but it's not um, nothing I can feel. I feel good. I'm, I'm, I can still breathe real well. My, my oxygen levels are up. And um, so as far as my health goes, I'm, I feel like I want to go for a run this morning. Yeah. Uh, do me this favor. D- describe your surroundings. Where, where are you being kept right now? I'm in a hospital uh, isolation ward in uh, Chiba uh, University Hospital. Um, so I'm in isolation, which means that once a day somebody will come in my room and clean my room. Um, they all, of course, have the mask and all the gear, the headgear, and uh, all taped up. Um, but uh, that's my that's my contact for the day. And besides that, I'm in my room. Um, I'm grateful for the internet and so that I can talk to family and friends. Um, but besides uh, any any other contact, I don't get that during the day. You, as far as furniture goes and appliances, you, you have your own yeah. restroom, you have a, a bed, you have a, a table. What, what do you have? <laughs> I've got a hospital bed. Um, I've got a little hospital table. Um, 
and I have a sink and a and a shower, um, and I have a I have a hazmat uh, a box which I my trash goes out in the hazmat box. Funny when they take that out, they have to put a lid on it and then tape it all up, make sure it's it's sealed, and wipe it all down before they can take it out of my room. And then I have a, a box that goes to the outside a door, um, which they slide my food through the through the door. And then um, I have an intercom that they let me know that the food is here, there, and then I can open my door and and take it out. So I get fed three times a day, um, which I'm again grateful for those meals. You mentioned that you do have internet access there. You, you're able to be in contact with your friends and family. You and I are able to speak right now. Uh, one of the challenges, though, right. that you face is time zones. What time is it there right now? Oh, it's uh, six six twenty in the morning. Okay. Well, I'm grateful uh, to you for being. I believe it's. I, I... I believe it's Friday morning. Okay. Well, I'm grateful to you for, for being uh, joining us at this early hour on your end. Uh, yeah. l- let me ask you this. You, uh, I-, I received from your wife, I- Melanie, this morning a copy of a letter that you wrote addressed to the embassy, uh, the United States embassy in Japan. Have you, what has so far come of that? There are a number of questions that you asked uh, about uh, the timeline of your stay there in Japan, uh, what the process will be for your return here to the United States. Will you remain in quarantine for a certain yeah. time? That, that letter was prompted last night um, while I was, was trying to get to sleep and I I looked at my email and I saw that the embassy had sent me a letter. Um, so I opened that letter and it said that uh, in there that all um, people who had tested positive for COVID-19, which is the coronavirus, uh, had been contacted earlier um, and uh, they had been given instructions on what they need to do um, when, they, when they get out of hospital and other information. Um, I also had learned at the same time that two people had um, died from our cruise ship, and um, and I and I just recently talked to another gentleman I had met on the cruise, who was deathly ill the night before, and with all those with all those things going on in my head, I decided to write to the embassy and find out uh, why. Number one, I didn't receive any information from them, right. even though I had verified that I was on their contact list. Uh, well, I know email was sent to me, and then I thought if something happened to me um, or if someone needed to be contacted, um, as far as I know, the U.S. Embassy is is not there to to help me in my situation. And if they can't even send me a letter explaining what's going on or, um, or give me any information, then basically I'm alone here to um, to try to get information to my family. And if I'm not able to, for whatever reason, if it's medical or, or otherwise, um, then my family wouldn't know if I'm if I'm on the operating table, if I had respiratory uh, problems, or or needed to or needed for someone else to make a decision for me. I'm, I don't have a faith that that, that uh, anyone's going to be contacted. The so the letter. I, I, the letter that you penned, sir, was shared with me uh, about eight or nine hours ago. Have you, in the past eight or nine hours, received any communication from the embassy? No. So all the questions that you, you included in this letter still remain. The first one, what's the process for getting out of the hospital you were forced into? You're unaware of how you will get no out one of ever, Yeah, yeah. No one ever uh, at any time said, this is how you get out of the hospital. Uh, I've heard... 
I've heard from uh, on a website we have through the quarantine um, that I have to have two negatives to two negative tests to get out of the hospital. Um, is, never is that, heard that from the embassy or from the cruise ship. I just heard that from passengers that say that's what that needs to be done. Have you heard that from the the medical folks who are taking care of you? That, that's what that's what they tell me. Um, that you need to I, have two. At that point, what what uh, where do I go? Uh, am I quarantined? Am I uh, am I just thrown onto the street and said here here uh, now you're clear? Um, where, do you, where do I go from there? Um, so, yes, my doctor did tell me that if you get two negatives in a row, that you'll be able to uh, to be released. But, but the process of that release uh, still remains a mystery to you. Yes, and and, and I don't know if um, I had a, I did have a negative test, and uh, and uh, so they had to repeat it. Mm-hmm. And um, I came back positive on all the ones after that. So there's a lot of misinformation on uh, negatives that are false or positives that are false. Um, so what was the result of your most recent I had, test? I had a false negative, and the very next the very next test showed that I still had the coronavirus on all three uh, throat swabs. Your most recent uh, uh, test came back positive. Yes, I had I had uh, two. Uh, throat swabs and um and uh, what they call a phlegm test, and all three of those came back positive uh, yesterday. Mm-hmm. Let me ask you this: Have you received instructions for that that lead you to believe that you're unable to leave the quarantine? What would happen, sir, if you were to walk out? Well, I'm not able to walk out. Uh, I did ask that question when I came into this room. If, I, if there was a fire or somebody, if there was a, uh, somebody, a gunman in the building, and uh, what would I do? And they said that door will open um, to my room. But um, as, I, as, uh, as I look in the hallway, I had to go do my CT scan. They, uh, they, all those doors are locked, and they have keypads on them. So um, I wouldn't be able to get through the door unless I had the codes. So I'm basically, um, I don't want to say a prisoner, but I am. I can't, I'm not free to go. My freedom to leave is, is, has been taken away and, and, and rightly so. I don't want to, I don't want to contaminate anybody. I don't want to get anybody else sick. Sure. I would hate for it, for me to give this to somebody else. But at the same time, um, I don't have any, I don't have any information or right sure. to, uh, to understand my where I'm at, um, or the process in, in which I need to get, uh, I'm able to get out of here. Well, sir, as you know, when you and I were texting back and forth this morning, I have shared the letter you penned last night with your congressman, Chris Stewart. Uh, his office has informed me that he's been in touch with your wife, Melanie, uh, and Congressman Stewart will be joining me on this program next uh, to let us know what, uh, what options are available and what he has learned working on your behalf. Uh, that coming up next on the program. Sir, I wish you the absolute very best. And please, if it's not too much of an intrusion, please allow us to remain in contact with you as you endure uh, this process and, and hopefully move yourself towards a, a positive outcome here. My best to you and your family. Thank you very much. I'd love to stay in contact. Absolutely.
Uh, that's John Herring. He finds himself right now in quarantine uh, being held in Japan after having tested positive for the coronavirus. He, this morning, uh, penned a lengthy letter airing some uh, grievances and some questions uh, about his circumstance, how he will get out of the hospital, how the the bills will be paid, and what will happen once he returns to the United States. Uh, next up on the program is Congressman Chris Stewart. He uh, represents the Herrings out there in Tooele. We're going to talk to him and see what he knows next. Next on Live Mike, I'm Lee Lonsberry, and this is KSL News Radio. This is Live Mike with Lee Lonsberry from Utah's Capitol Hill to your schools, Texas, and all the breaking news. Hear it on Live Mike with Lee Lonsberry on KSL News Radio. Welcome back to the program. I'm Lee Lonsberry. Can you, can you believe that last conversation we had? It is almost surreal knowing that the person uh, I was speaking to, we were listening uh, to, is sharing an experience from a quarantine location where they're unable to leave. Keypads on the doors, keeping them all locked. Unsure when they'll get to leave, be back here in the United States over in Tooele. Reunited with their wife again, Melanie, who right now is not home, but rather in quarantine herself at an Air Force base in California. It breaks my heart. Uh, it's it's a terrible thing, this coronavirus. It uh, is terrifying because it's new and we know so little about it. Recent reports show that over 2,100 individuals have passed away so far. Now, it's important to keep this in perspective. The flu uh, is much more deadly in terms of the body count, if you'll allow me to crudely characterize it that way. In just a moment, we're going to be speaking with Congressman Chris Stewart. He represents the Herrings and has been in touch with the family today, uh, namely Melanie, who joined me on the program not that long ago. Uh, when she first entered her own quarantine, she talked uh, about the circumstances of her husband, John, with whom we just spoke. He's a little bit worried right now, uh, just trying to um, meditate to... Um you know, just keep calm. We have a lot of people that are panicking on the outside, and uh, we just want to tell people, just relax. We're going to be okay. You know, prayers help. Um, all the good energy you can send us. But he's he's a little bit worried today. You know, he said, you know, I just, I just hope I come up negative. Well, he didn't come up negative. Since then, he's had a new number of additional tests, and you heard him in the segment preceding. Let us know that he's tested positive now three times. His most recent test coming back positive. He's also battling pneumonia right now, according to the doctors. The best information he has so far is that it requires two negative tests for the novel coronavirus before he's able to emerge from this quarantine. Imagine that. He doesn't know how long. He doesn't know how long he'll be there. He doesn't know, once he is clear to leave, how he will get home. He doesn't know, once he gets home, what will then happen. He doesn't know when he'll see his wife again. He doesn't know when he'll see his family again, nor his home. It, uh, it, it's stunning and startling. It, uh, it is a scenario I don't wish upon anyone and feels like it's from a movie. Feels like it's from uh, a movie, something like this. It, there are things that can be done. The letter I made reference to earlier today, authored by John Herring, uh, was addressed 
to the United States Embassy. The embassy is a, a wing of the executive branch of government, and it is the job of uh, each member of Congress to act as a liaison between their constituents and the federal government. Congressman Stewart represents to Willie. He joins us on the line right now. Sir, how are you? I understand you've been in contact with the family uh, in, in the midst of their ordeal. Uh, and I understand, too, that there are certain things that you may not be able to share with us and, you know, the name of privacy and all. But what, what can you share with us? Well, uh, I appreciate your sensitivity. And I do want to be careful in the sense that, you know, there's obviously some very private uh, situation and uh, and private matters at hand. But we have been in contact with the family. Uh, the only thing I feel bad about is that we, we weren't able to try and help them earlier because, as you know, this has been going on for a long time. And you know, our, our concerns are, first, is, is the embassy being responsive to the family because we don't think they are and, and they've got to do better. Uh, and, you know, the embassy can't change the situation, but the embassy can communicate better with them and, and give them you know, more sense of confidence and ease that they are working their issues and that they're trying to help. And that's the primary focus we have right now is just having better communication with family, but also uh, we understand that uh, one of the family members has tested positive. I think that's publicly acknowledged, right. and, and we worry about, you know, are, are they going to get the best care uh, overseas, or is there a chance that we could bring them home, and being careful, obviously, that we don't want to expose others, but also recognizing that the U.S. has ability to provide care that may not be as quite as adequate overseas, and that um, that might be a better option. We're trying to trying to explore that as well. Have you yet had interaction with the embassy? Uh, a little bit. Now, I haven't. Uh, our staff has. Sure. And, uh, and you know, we, we think that they're going to be responsive. And they certainly should, for heaven's sake. I mean, this is a very uh, sensitive issue. It's, it involves someone's health and the separation of family. And, uh, you know, it's got a lot of public awareness. So we expect the embassy is going to, you know, respond to us and, and, and do a better job than maybe they have in the past. But uh, but we're just starting to engage with them right now. Talk to me. Let's take a step backwards. Talk to me for a moment about uh, the nature of your role as a member of Congress operating as a liaison between your constituents and the federal government. In this instance, the executive branch and most specifically the embassy. What type of work is it that you do for folks? Yeah, so that's actually a great question. And if I could speak kind of broadly about that, I mean, I often get frustrated in my job wondering, you know, are we doing anything? Is there, is there something we did today or this week that was good? But in the casework that we do, that often makes up for that because we can help people whether they have problems with immigration, perhaps some, someone in their family, veterans affairs. I mean, a, a large percentage of our, of our casework are people that we're trying to help our veterans who have some issues, whether with VA benefits, uh, social security, for example, um, I mean, it, it, it's one of the most satisfying things we can do is when a, and a constituent is frustrated. And for heaven's sakes, we all appreciate the federal bureaucracy is not the most friendly sure. apparatus in the world. And you often feel like you're talking to either someone who doesn't care or someone who can't help you. And a lot of times a phone call from my office or although it's much less common, uh, in certain cases, a phone call from me can kind of jar that bureaucracy and move them forward on resolving issues. Now, sometimes we can't get them resolved in a way that the constituent would like, and sometimes it's just impossible. But A, they at least have a resolution to it, and they know where, where they are. But many times, and most of the time, we're able to really make a difference and really get an outcome that our constituents, you know, the people that we serve here in Utah, are really happy with. And, 
And, and this is this is an example of that. You know, the family felt frustrated trying to communicate with an embassy overseas. While, by the way, one of them is quarantined here in the United States and not able to, by herself, go out and visit or, or advocate. And this is certainly a case where we can be their advocates and, and shake that tree a little bit for them. Well, sir, I'm grateful to you for keeping us up to date. And now, of course, understanding privacy and the sensitivity of the relationship between, say, a caseworker and a constituent, uh, in, in this case, the Herring family. Uh, I wonder if, if you and I could remain in contact. I'd love to, to follow this as best I'm able uh, and your efforts as we uh, ourselves can maintain communication with the Herring family. Well, we'd love to do that, and, and we should do that because, again, this is a very... This is a very public issue. There's not anyone in the country who isn't wondering about the coronavirus. What, what's it doing in China? What, when and, and in what way is it going to impact the United States? And so this is something we would want the public to be aware of, and we'd be happy to continue to give you as much information as we can on it. Outstanding. Congressman Chris Stewart, sir, I'm grateful to you for your time. Thank you, sir. That's Congressman Chris Stewart. He is the member of Congress who represents Tooele City and the Herring family. He and his office are in the midst of coordinating uh, communication with the U.S. Embassy in Japan in an effort to get some answers uh, for Mr. Herring, who just this morning uh, penned a letter from his, is it appropriate to call it a cell? He said he feels like he's in a prison. He penned a letter from his quarters this morning where he remains in quarantine uh, airing a number of grievances he feels and asking a number of questions, basic questions, uh, which he uh, lacks answers. So we're going to continue to follow this. We're going to continue to follow the efforts of the congressman and the progress of the Herring family as this coronavirus uh, it takes its toll on their family. Uh, and we will bring that all to you. Next up, we're going to be speaking with Speaker of the Utah House, Brad Wilson. Earlier in the program, I shared with you a citation that he penned alongside presidents of the Senate. And we're going to get some of the details as to why that came about and where the support originates. That's next here on Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry, and this is KSL News Radio. This is Live Mike with Lee Lonsberry. Welcome back to the program. We're awaiting a phone call from Utah House Speaker Brad Wilson. I want to talk to him about a, a citation. That has been authored and sent to the President of the United States. The backstory is this. Representative Quinn, some time ago, introduced a piece of legislation that would alter the way we do things here in Utah with regard to our United States senators. It would, uh, if he had his way, have created a way to recall an elected U.S. senator. Now, if you're a Constitution nerd like me, the 17th Amendment kind of uh, makes all that uh, impossible. And as was shared with me by Senate President Stuart Adams, unconstitutional? Anyway, regardless of whether or not the measure by Representative Quinn was constitutional or not, he insisted that it had nothing to do with Mitt Romney. Nothing at all to do with Mitt Romney. Although, if you did notice, there was an uptick in the conversations he was having with uh, folks like me and other members of the media just about the time Mitt Romney... Uh, voted guilty against the president in his articles of impeachment uh, relating to abuse of power. Now, there was another measure, uh, this one introduced by uh, Lyman, Phil Lyman, uh, down there in southern Utah. And that was uh, much more extreme. It was a censure of Mitt Romney after having voted the way he did in the impeachment proceedings against the president. The only Republican to do so. In fact, the and now listen, we are repeating details that I shared with you a long time ago, and if I sound like a broken record, I apologize. The, the interesting footnote uh, that will be attached to 
Senator Romney's actions is that he's the only uh, senator in U.S. history to have voted against a president in an impeachment proceeding of the same party. That's interesting. Uh, If you're a party person, that means something to you. Uh, If you are not, it means, you know, maybe there was some nobility there. We're I'm going to put that whole debate to rest. Simply setting the stage uh, for what was uh, a piece of information that I got in my inbox this morning. It was under Utah State Legislature uh, letterhead, carrying the Utah State Senate seal as well as the seal of the House of Representatives for immediate release. The headline here reads, Senate President and Speaker of the House acknowledges President's support for Utah. Again, Senate President and Speaker of the House acknowledges President's support for Utah. There was a conversation that uh, Speaker Wilson had with Dave and Debbie here on these airwaves uh, some time ago, where in the face of those two measures, one introduced by Representative Quinn, the other by Lyman, uh, while that was far too much for many. There really wasn't an appetite for uh, measures that strong. First off, uh, so unconstitutional. Uh, to violate the 17th Amendment. No one wants to push that. No one, Not enough folks are going to stand behind that to put it through the regular order here in the legislature. And then in the case of Representative Lyman, a censure against Mitt Romney. Now, you may disagree with what he did, but a censure is, is pretty strong. Well, there was a suggestion by the speaker on Dave and Debbie's show that would introduce a, a third alternative. There's conversation about either a citation or a resolution just outlining the positive things that the president, uh, President Trump, has done for Utah, and uh, because there's a long list of them, and uh, we sometimes forget uh, that behind some of the uh, social media that he loves to do, uh, there's actually been some really good work for our economy, for the regulatory environment, for the state of Utah in many, many ways, and they're a very, very responsive White House when we call, they, they answer. So we'll work through all of those things and see where we end up. That was Speaker Wilson uh, some time ago speaking to Dave Noriega and Debbie Dejanovic here on these airwaves. He joins us now. They've made a decision and they have put forth a, a citation. Speaker Wilson, sir, how are you? Good, Lee. How are you? Uh, I'm good. I'm grateful to you for, for making some time to talk to us. I know that you're in the midst of things up on Utah's Capitol Hill and you as Speaker have a pretty important job. So uh, anytime uh, you take to step away and talk to me and my audience, I am very grateful. You, along with Senate President Stuart Adams, uh, put out... Uh, a letter or made it known to the, the media and the public that you are sending a letter to the president of the United States. Well, what's this letter all about? So we're sending a citation uh, from the president and, and me that uh, just expresses our appreciation for some of the many things that uh, President Trump has done uh, for our country and for the state of Utah. Where does this fit into the, the debate over the legislation introduced by uh, Representative Lyman and Quinn? Well, this is a separate, uh, a separate issue, not necessarily a separate issue, but a separate provision that we're working on. And uh, they have different bills that address different components of what happened with the impeachment. But this is uh, just an effort for us to make sure we reaffirm to the president and the White House how much we've appreciated the great relationship we've had with them and look forward to continue working with them in the future. Sure. It's my understanding, too, that those efforts by Lyman and Quinn are, are, are not going anywhere. Is that fair to say? Uh, that's my understanding at this point, yeah. Let me ask you this. Why a, a, a citation and not, say, a resolution? Why not give the, the House and Senate the opportunity to, to vote on something like this? The language uh, follows that uh, of a resolution. 
Yeah, it's similar uh, to a resolution. It's actually just simpler and easier to do a citation. That's probably not a very exciting answer for you, Lee, but given where we're at in the legislative session with our attorneys working uh, around the clock, uh, we thought it was best to just do do something that was a little simpler and and express our appreciation in this way. And uh, the language is the same. It's just less uh, less effort for all the staff. And so... We're trying to be, you know, careful about what we uh, what we do that in that regard. So, 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 so yeah, so we're excited about this, and uh, we've had good feedback from the White House already today. Oh, cool! What, what did they say? Well, um, we just had some uh, some thanks sent back to us for uh, sending this and telling us they appreciated it. Outstanding. Uh, so, to be clear, this this citation sent to the White House comes from yourself, uh, Speaker, as well as the the President of the Senate, Stuart Adams. Let me ask you this: You, you think though that uh, that most legislators in your body would, would be behind something like this? I believe so. You know, there's uh, differing opinions about a lot of different issues, but uh, it's hard to serve up here and not recognize how great um, the White House has been on a lot of different issues and how responsive they've been. And uh, so we, uh, yeah, so we thought this was the right, the right thing to do at this time. Very cool. One of the items you point out in the uh, citation is that much of the economic success here in the state of Utah, while, while still in large part thanks to the good work done here by Utahns, uh, does in some measure uh, owe its success to uh, the, the work and policy put forth by the White House. Yeah, well, the economy obviously around the country is doing well, and Utah it's doing in particular very well. And so we, uh, we wanted to make sure we underscored how much we appreciate that. All right. Uh, Speaker Brad Wilson, sir, I'm grateful to you for your time. Thanks for sharing with me the info yeah, surrounding the citation. Yeah. yeah, let's talk more often. Have a great day. You do the Take same. Take it easy. All right, we will. Thanks. All right. Bye-bye. Very good. That's it for today's show. I'm so grateful to you for having tuned in. We covered a lot of ground, some of it somber, some of it exciting, uh, some of it pretty nerve-wracking. Certainly uh, the case for John Herring. He joined us, as you know, from his cell. It might it might not be appropriate to call it a cell, but he said that the structure in which he finds himself now is akin to a prison. I can only imagine he in quarantine after testing positive for the coronavirus. Uh, Congressman Stewart has gotten himself in the middle of that and sees is in an effort in the midst of an effort to see if he can bring some answers to the questions held by the Herrings, John and Melanie, his wife. Uh, Grateful to you for tuning in today. Tomorrow, we've got a great show planned for you. I can assure you that producer Amy's been hard at work putting together guests and topics. Uh, I hope you'll join me back here tomorrow to listen to. Next up, it's Jeff Kaplan's Afternoon News here on KSL News Radio. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts.